you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. When the seventh month came, and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. Then arose Joshua, the son of Josadak, with his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, with his kinsmen. And they built the altar of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings on it, as is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. And they kept the Feast of Booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the rule, as each day required. And after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon, and at all the appointed feasts of the Lord, and the offerings of everyone who made a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the grant they had from Cyrus king of Persia. Now in the second year, after their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Josadak made a beginning, together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites, and all who had come up to Jerusalem from the captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. And Jeshua with his sons and his brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together supervised the workmen in the house of God, along with the sons of Hanadad and the Levites, their sons and brothers. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses Old men who had seen the first house wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping, for the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away.
morning, City on a Hill. My name's uh, Dawn, and I'm wondering, have you ever tried rebuilding something and soon felt feelings of regret? Has it been the sudden inspiration for the home reno or redoing the garden, and you suddenly run into a major problem? Maybe it's on another front. You realize you have a deeply ingrained habit and you're stuck. You feel regret and you can't seem to restore a healthy rhythm. Or is it more relational? Are you trying to mend a a family relationship or a friendship? And you are hitting obstacles and wondering, is it all worth it? The same challenge can be felt in our spiritual lives. When we are rebuilding parts of our lives with God, what do we do when we face challenges? How do we engage feelings of regret and disappointment? As we will see, Ezra 3 reminds us to renew our zeal for God and deal with regret. There are three observations I want to share with you today. One, the resolute nature of God's people. Two, their renewed heart. And three, regret emerging. Number one, the resolute nature of God's people. Before we see how to renew our zeal for God and deal with regret, we need some context for the passage. As we heard from last week, God's people have returned from exile and are about to rebuild the temple altar. The date is 536 BC under King Cyrus of Persia. We can see in this chapter that God continues to fulfill his word prophesied through Jeremiah. Now through Cyrus, God's altar will be rebuilt. Verses 1 to 3 tell us that God's people have resolutely gathered as one man. This in Hebrew is ker ichad ish. And it gives us a sense of how resolute and united they were. It reminds us of how God calls his church to be known as one body. The term only occurs one more time in Nehemiah 8.1, describing the regathering of God's people as Ezra teaches the law. This gathering in Ezra 3.1 is during the seventh month, the equivalent of September. And regardless of the fear of the people, they rebuild the temple altar. They start to use it for burnt offerings straight away, no delays. Let me read to you Ezra 3.3. They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the peoples of the land, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. As we move on, verses 4 to 7 remind us of the resolute and committed nature of God's people to reconstruct the temple. 
How do God's people renew their zeal and deal with regret after exile? Verses 4 to 7 tell us they are fully committed to community life with God and renewed in zeal for supplying the rebuilding of the temple. Here, Ezra 3.7. So they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and the Tyrians to bring cedar trees from Lebanon. This is incredibly similar to 2 Chronicles 10, 2.10 to 16, when Solomon supplies the construction of the temple. So what does it mean for us? What is God trying to renew in your life that glorifies his steadfast nature? We know he provides for us. He heals broken areas and blesses us. And as we see, the supplies of the foundation of the temple, his providence and his blessings aren't the main point. Just like the returning exiles, God isn't worshipped because he's providing them with a place to have lunch or to catch up on the latest entertainment. The resolute rebuilding of God's altar and temple is a reminder of his presence, that he forgives and loves to dwell with them. Today, many of us know and trust God that he sent Jesus, the ultimate temple and priest. As 1 Corinthians 6 states, God's people are temples. And by faith, his Holy Spirit dwells in us. We too become temples. Isn't it amazing? Jesus' Spirit, the holy person of God, his presence is inside of us and dwells in the church. His Spirit, this Spirit, helps renew our zeal for God and deal with regret. Maybe you don't believe that a life-saving ultimate temple and priest has come in the life of Jesus. Maybe you've tried rebuilding life on your own. Maybe you've been living selfish or exhaustingly self-made by your own strength. If that's you... Hear the good news that God created the world and sent Jesus, his son, to redeem humankind, to die for your sins, to renew you and bring forth his kingdom through holy judgment. I promise you, he's committed to giving you a resolute life, one that powerfully is renewed and enjoys God. Talk to someone today about knowing and rebuilding a new life in Jesus. So we've seen in Ezra 3, 1 to 7, the resolute commitment of God's people. Let's move to the second observation regarding their renewed heart. Two, the renewed heart of God's people. In Ezra 3, 8 to 11, we can see that God's people are rejoicing with a renewed heart. 
They are literally getting the band back together. The priests and Levites are back in action. And the sons of Asaph, the Levites, many generations later, of course, are making music again for the Lord. To think I got excited when the Australian rock band Powderfinger got back into music for a special COVID concert. I should have read Ezra 3, 8 to 11. It's a hundred times better than a classic comeback tour. Let me read verse 10. And when the builders lay the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. They come out of exile with a renewed sense of joy. Doesn't that remind you of the way that you've seen people transformed when they dramatically and resolutely commit to Christ? Or does it remind you of close friends and family when they recover from a serious bout of depression? There's a renewed spring in their step, isn't there? But more than that, you know it's more than just a shallow change or momentary happiness. This is what I've experienced personally. They have healthier rhythms of discipline in their lives, like slowly starting to wake up early, earlier and have healthier mealtimes. Even relationships around them start to heal and be renewed. Furthermore, slowly but surely, they put in strategies to guard them from lows and eventually engage back to things like study and work. Coming out of the depression of slavery, you see the returning exiles have a spring in their step. They're healthy, joyful, resolute rhythms and godly disciplines are emerging. Ezra 3.11 is quite similar to Solomon's joy when the ark is placed in the first temple. Let me read it to you. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. How do we know they had a renewed heart for God's covenant? They sing. In Ezra 3.11, the word steadfast love is used. The, he, the same Hebrew word hesed is used throughout the Old Testament when referring to God's covenant love. Between Sorry, in Ezra 3, 8 to 11, we see this renewed heart for God's covenant love expressed by the exiles. And look with me between verses 1 to 11. There are a few key elements that demonstrate God's people have a renewed heart for his covenant. Look at the passage at these key proofs. This includes Zerubbabel, covenant leaders, and the whole community involvement. Proof one, 
Zerubbabel in verse 2, the descendant of David, is leading the people. This honors the covenant promise in 2 Samuel 7. Proof 2, the covenant leaders. The people are following past examples. We see references to Moses in verse 3, David in verse 10, and to Solomon's early covenant obedience in verse 7. And the last element, proof 3, the whole community are involved in faith events, making offerings, sacrifices, festivals, verses 3 to 6, and the commissioning of Levite leaders. For us as Christians, how are we renewing our walk with God each day? How do we renew our zeal for God when we face challenges or start to feel regret? Maybe you aren't getting hurt at work for your concerns, or you're just exhausted from work recently. Personally, I was reminded of that this week, to keep God's word close. We need to ask him more often for his help to protect us when we are vulnerable in tired times. Furthermore, we need to renew our strength and very soul in him. Isaiah 40, 31 speaks of the renewal, of delight and strength in God. This is not only for the endurance of the exiles, this is for us today. Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are there areas in your life that you need renewed zeal? What kinds of people or healthy disciplines do you need to bring into your life to renew your zeal for God and deal with regret? Is it a renewed life in prayer or God's Word? Or is it or is the challenge on a practical level? Are you like me, a person who spent two-thirds of his life getting exhausted due to poor organizational skills, time management, or a lack of social boundaries? Is our screen time or a relational life lacking healthy parameters? Empowered by grace, Scripture calls us to train for godliness. A renewed zeal will also reflect in godly discipline. Or is it more relational? Renewed zeal in how we treat others. Our family, people at work, at church, and those who are yet to believe, I know personally I need to do way better. How is your relationship with your parents? How are you renewing as fathers, as mothers, 
sons, daughters, as single people. If we're not renewing among our families or Christian communities, we're prone to isolate ourselves, to fall into pride and sin. We become spiritually vulnerable. Also, I I cannot stress enough how radiant renewed hearts are to a non-believing world. This renewal not only helps us to avoid blind spots, it creates transparency in our souls so that people can see the gospel and be moved by God to love others. So we've looked at, one, the resolute commitment of God's people, two, their renewed heart, and now our final observation, regret emerging. Number three, regret emerges. The third insight of Ezra 3 regards the feeling of regret. This reminded me of a recent conversation I had with a married couple. They've been growing strong in the Lord. They now have four children, but suddenly they realized they were passing on a television addiction onto their children. Hours upon hours, each day lost watching TV. And furthermore, they didn't realize that they had little discernment in what they were watching. They found themselves in regret. Things could have been better if they realized it earlier. Is it too late to change? What were they to do now? A sense of this regret can be seen in Ezra 3, 12 to 13. While many of God's people are rejoicing, the elder figures are feeling regret. The temple was not going to be like before. Let me read to you Ezra 3.12. Many of the priests and Levites, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of the house being laid. Though many shouted for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shouts from the sound of people weeping. There were those who saw that the temple was going to be physically smaller and they grieved in regret. There were also going to be fewer treasures stored in this temple. This new dwelling place was going to be worlds apart from Solomon's temple. Think about what the elders would have been thinking. God's people removed from the promised land for their idolatry. They return and now realize the cost and consequences of their sin. Things aren't going to be the same. They are rightfully being humbled. But the passage indicates sin creeping in. A defeatism. Disappointment. A longing for better days that should not be dwelt on. How do we know this was unhelpful regret? 
Haggai 2.3 tells us later in the Old Testament that people continued to compare it to Solomon's temple. In Haggai 2.3, the prophet asked the people, is this temple, is it nothing in your eyes? They were recklessly reminiscing of the glory days rather than focusing on total worship on God. We fall in this pattern of unhelpful reminiscing sometimes, don't we? I know this personally. At 25, I reached a crisis. I remember being filled with regret. This caused me panic attacks and intense anxiety for weeks on end. I once was heading towards a path in becoming a doctor at 25. I had this plan, become a doctor at 25, marry my then girlfriend at 20, plan to have kids and hope to eventually run medical clinics in South Africa. You might be thinking, John, your, craze, your, your plans were crazy. Things panned out differently. My rush plans were not his plans. God radically changed these goals and deep desires. Unfortunately, I am still a little crazy. But God spoke into my human regret. What areas do you need to lay down before him? Is this regret Regarding your salary, adventurous lifestyle, a relationship, stability, perfect health, a crazy social life. Do you ever think, I wish I had more? I could have had more. Things could have been better. Family could be in a better place now. We need to remember Jesus is enough, infinitely enough. How do we engage in this regret with God? How do we renew our zeal for God and deal with regret? Three applications came to mind. One, we reflect well. Two, renewal through godly grief. And three, Refocusing on Christ changes everything. Number one, we reflect well. When looking at the past, we need to be careful. Reflection can be good, but we need to pray in the power of the Spirit and look through Christ and move forward. Returning to the couple with four children that I mentioned before who had regret about their television addiction, they realized unconsciously that they wronged their children, but they did not remain in regret. Out of repentant reflection, they decided to pursue godly parenthood. They ended their Disney Netflix subscription and they radically spent more quality time Sabbath resting, 
and spending quality time with their children, focused time. Today, do you need to reflect well with God? I'd encourage you to journal, to pray, discuss what comes to mind when you talk to Christians, close Christians around you. Now, the second application expands on the first. Renewal, number two, renewal through godly grief. What areas in your life do you need to process regret? There's a time to reflect and to grieve and to repent well, but we also need to move forward. After all, godly grief produces a new repentant life. This reminds me of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. When we process godly grief, we remember a forgiving God who saves us and moves us forward. But worldly regret, worldly regret no longer holds us down. Do you remember my wild plans for medicine, marriage, and my mad plan for South Africa? I realized I was selfish and desperate. It was my way, not God's way. Godly grief arose and he moved to sanctify me. It's good to have healthy desires in their right place. God does love and provide and bless us as his people. But what happens if certain things aren't his will? Instead of becoming a doctor, I learned that God was a kind physician, caring for me through some of the darkest years of depression, anxiety. I needed his love more than my idolized dream profession. What regrets do you need to lift up today? How can you take responsibility for them and renew your zeal for God? The third application regards refocusing on Christ. Number three. Refocusing on Christ changes everything. When we move out of godly regret, supernaturally we'll be prompted to look and focus outside of ourselves. When we refocus on Christ, God turns our regret into a recommissioning of our lives to radiate love with others. This hits home for me. From my teenage years to my mid-twenties, I realized I struggled with anger and self-pity. Starting at 20, and for the next 10 years, growing as a Christian instead of probably becoming an unprepared and immature missionary in South Africa, I learned of God's mission to grow my character 
in patience and mercy. But he didn't stop there. God refocused my heart on home soil to evangelize and care for those in my local town. Those who had suffered all kinds of brokenness and abuse and addictions. Ezra 3 can encourage us today to grow out of godly grief so it may encourage us to look at Jesus and love others. What ways are you allowing Jesus to transform your regret so that it may become a mission in loving others? Let's take some encouragement from Paul He was changed from pride to anger, to living sacrificially like Jesus, loving others and even the nations. His heart was fiercely for others, but even more fiercely for Christ's glory. This is actually why he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I hope at City on a Hill we can live to Christ for the sake of others, dealing with human regret because our focus is on him. As the band come up, to close, we have seen Ezra 3, that God stirs his people. They start out resolute, And renewed in heart as they start to rebuild the temple. But they let regret emerge. But as Christians, we're called to renew our zeal in God and to deal with regret. We will face challenges when we are renewing our hearts in Jesus. But we're not alone. It will be worth it when we arrive in eternity with him. Christ is with us, our ultimate rebuilder and temple and the king of the church that cannot be destroyed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Thank you for Ezra 3. Jesus, help us to renew our zeal for God and deal with regret. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be resolute and renewed for you? Lord, help us to deal with regret and focus our worship on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.